Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and where friends don't let friends feed kibble. And we're friends like Dr. Judy Jasek is here and we're celebrating your mom's. Yeah. Are we, wait, 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 what is a, a 100th birthday? But what are we, a centurion? A cent- I think so. I think it is something 100. like that. 100. Dr. Judy, do you know? How many more dogs you're going to be able to take care of if you live to be a hundred? No, I had to change my retirement plans because I'm like, uh, let's see, if I'm going to live that long, um, yeah, I better work for a while. <laughs> I got enough money saved up. <laughs> and your mom is ha- has really um, been on her own for a very long time. It's not like she's been in assisted mm-hmm. living for very long. No, only within the last year, really, did she need to go into. Um, assisted living. I mean, she's been, you know, she's had a few falls and, and, you know, some setbacks, but I tell you, she just, she bounces back. This last time she had a fall um, beginning of September and she was in rehab for eight weeks, but she just really lost a lot of her confidence. I think because all the therapists kept saying it's mental, you know, like she's just so afraid she's going to fall again. Um, And we didn't know if she, cause she, it took probably five or six weeks before she would actually could actually get up on her own and walk with her walker again. And I didn't know if she was ever going to walk again, but she is now she's got up, got past it, got her confidence back up, decided she wanted to be here for her hundredth to celebrate. And she's, we just moved her into a new place, a new assisted living place on Sunday. And she's, uh, she's good to go. She's ready to party. That is so amazing. That's so amazing. My mom turns 79 on Saturday and so uh, I always remind her that she has 30, at least 30 more years. <laughs> I say, hey, Dr. Jasek's mom just turned 100. You're a spring chicken. So, yeah. Well, a lot of it's your attitude, right? I mean, my mom's always been very independent, always, you know, tried to do as many things on her own as she could. And, um, you know, I think that makes a difference. I think the mental attitude is just huge. Well, mental attitude is what we're going to talk about today in regards to how to navigate um, our human emotions in the midst of our animal animals health crisis. And this is coming again from a, a great article from Adored Beast. And what I love about this is, is what you and I talk about all the time is stress um, mm-hmm. can lead us to um, some very bad decisions. Fear that fight or flight mm-hmm. can cause us to, again, make very bad decisions when it comes to our pet's health. And, you know, in this article, it talks about being present, right? And I love it because you were talking about the shaman and uh, Mm -hmm. really incorporating, you know, you have to be present. Obviously, a a shaman is present, right? They're not going to Mm -hmm. go out on this, um, this wheel of future possibilities. You know, I used to talk about this um, in my speaking days, and certainly it's in my book um, that I've written, but it, you know, we can 
our minds can cause us so many problems because it just runs away. Uh, I, there was a guy that I used to listen to and I loved all the time. And he used to say that it's like a dark horse with a, you know, with a, a wagon comes and puts us in that wagon, just takes us off into this, you know, abyss of scariness. Mm-hmm. Um, things that most likely won't happen, won't happen. Uh, we, we react to that. We're reacting to a what if and what could be and, and we're not mm-hmm. present. We're not right there. You know, and you know what I love about the shaman? So Teague that was here, the shaman that was here, um, they're, they're just so like in your face, not in a mean way, but they just call people on their stuff. Like she doesn't pull any punches because she's, she's seeing it. Like she sees like kind of energetically, like what's going on with the people, with the pets. And if somebody is trying to BS her, like she, she knows, and she just calls them on it. Like, mm, no, that's not true. And you know, it. <laughs> you know, like, very, no, like, you know, nice, but blunt and to the point. And I, and I just love that because I think we need more of that in our lives and in our culture. There's such this, you know, hesitancy, like I was saying, you know, I've got a lot of family coming into town for mom's mom's party. And with all the, you know, COVID business, there's lots of opinions about what to do and this or that. And, you know, it, it would be very easy to just lay back and say, no, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to like stay home and not participate in some of the activities. And then I said, no, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to speak and live my truth. Cause I, you know, if I believe anything strongly at this point in my life, it's that when you have a point of view and, and you know, what, what you do and do not believe in that it's not enough to just believe it. I think you've got to get out and live it. I mean, to me, that's truly living. If not, you're just, you're just hiding behind your keyboard or, you know, hiding in your own safe little, little corner. I I think you have to get out there and, and speak up about what you believe in. Of course. And I think that what's happening today is that, there, there's a there's a whole science behind a psychological science about how to influence people mm-hmm. to react in certain ways, and we think that we are in charge of our own thoughts, right? In our own actions, we think that we are in charge of those. But clearly, the way that others act and the way that others make decisions influence our behavior. Right. So um, when you really look at what, why do people use testimonials on their website? Why? Because uh, advertisers know this. They know that they don't have to persuade us that a product is good or that an idea is good. They only need to say that other people think so. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, nothing, and, and nothing more powerful um, uh, is happening around that than in today's society, right? So we're suppressing a lot of information and we're only showing one side and they say so, so everybody should do it. Well, come on, people, that's probably not the best thing to do. So the first step, anytime that we are under stress or we're feeling anxious or uh, we're in a crowd of people that don't think like we do, we have to get really present. 
mm-hmm. right? We have to get present and we cannot allow our minds to run off with us, you know, to, 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 to hijack us and to take us into this dark abyss. So when it comes back to animal health and I, uh, you and I have talked about this many times, I experienced it in my own home with our pets, right? Mm-hmm. And when your pet is distressed, when it's hurting or not feeling good, all common sense just goes out the deck mm-hmm. door, Dr. Jasek. Mm-hmm. Sure does. Even for me, you know, I mean, I work on pets all the time. One of my pets is sick. I literally have to like sit down and like you said, become present and say, okay, if this were one of my client's animals, what advice would I tell them? Cause I have to really like kind of have that conversation with myself. Cause like you said, once your emotions are involved, you, you lose all, all logic. So I can, I can understand how that happens when the people that come in to see me are, are really conflicted and, and don't know what to do. And when they're hearing conflicting information and it, you know, it, it's hard to make good decisions when you're that emotional. Well, in this article, it talks about reactions versus decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So reactions are going to be based on, we call it knee jerk reactions. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we have a pet, they aren't feeling well, we're scared to death. Why are we scared to death? Because we allow our minds to race towards they've got cancer, they're going to die. Um, you know, something terrible is going to happen and it may or may not happen. Right. So we have to stay, what is happening right now? And what is the best decision for my pet health, for my pet's health. And one thing that you and I see over and over again is that people, pet parents, we like to think that just throwing drugs, all types of drugs at a pet is going to be the best thing for them. And it may not be the best thing for them. And they talk about antibiotics and you and I talk about this all the time because that is the easiest reactionary thing to do is to give a dog antibiotics when they may not need it. Mm -hmm. And in this article, they're talking about that over 700,000, Dr. JC, over 700,000 people die every year around the world due to what? antibiotic-resistant infections. Now, I have very little respect for the world whore. Uh, whore. The, <laughs> Edit that one out. For the, <laughs> that, was, that a, was that an intentional slip there, Dee? <laughs> for the world whore, we call them the World Health Organization. <laughs> but they've been uh, pleading with doctors and veterinarians to stop stop prescribing unnecessarily mm-hmm. antibiotics because they're being prescribed every day with no diagnosis or proof of bacterial related illnesses. So this is reactive treatment rather than mm-hmm. science-based medicine. And of course, science-based medicine, nobody knows what the hell that is anymore because it's been so foreign. Yeah. But- science-based medicine anymore seems to be just following, you know, the mainstream 
you know, narratives and standard of care. I don't think standard of care even means anything anymore. Cause in, you know, in veterinary medicine, as you know, I work with a lot of cancer patients, you know, standard of care is chemotherapy and radiation and surgery and not things like herbs and ozone therapy and the things that, the things that I do, but you know, what happens to our, what happened to our oath of above all do no harm. Dogs get so sick from chemo and people are told all the time, dogs don't get sick from chemo. People get sick from chemo, but dogs don't get sick. Like people do like, what? I mean, I see, you know, and hear stories about pets getting sick from chemo all the time and the results, you know, so you might have, so very sadly, I, I'm seeing lymph, I swear like every other case of cancer I'm seeing these days is lymphoma. It's just becoming more and more and more rampant. And it's, it's very sad. Um, And the conventional treatments are very aggressive, but actually what I'm finding is if we kind of take a step back and look at what, what was going on. I had a case like this yesterday, what was going on in that pet's life before this diagnosis? Well, how about a round of vaccines a month before they were diagnosed with lymphoma? And maybe what if we detox the animal from the, the vaccines, do some things to support the immune system. This particular case was a young dog, like three years old. And, you know, they're like all gung ho to do chemo on this. And, you know, I have to respect people's choices, but I will certainly, you know, tell people, I, I tell people what I would do if it was my pet. I can't tell them what to do, but I said, this was my dog. This is what I would do. And then they can do it with that information, what they choose. But this dog was completely fine. So, you know, when you talk about what do you, what do you look at in your pet? What are the important things to look at when you're making treatment decisions? And and what the, the comment was from this person was, well, you'd never know my dog was sick. They just had some enlarged lymph nodes and they did aspirates. And now our dog has lymphoma and we're devastated. And I'm just thinking this dog's going to die from the chemotherapy. He's going to die from lymphoma. You know, I think cases like that, where you have, you have this natural vitality and yeah, something's disrupted the immune system, but in a young, healthy, vital dog, we can get that back under control. I, I'm convinced that we can. I mean, I've seen cases where we can do that. If they're already debilitated, you know, um, or when I see a cancer patient that comes in and they're already not eating and just really lethargic, we're we're a little bit further behind the ball and those can be tricky, but these young vital dogs, I, I really think if we just take a step back, what happened leading up to this, is this a toxicity reaction? So, you know, vaccines, you know, were they on flea and tick preventatives or heartworm or what other medications? antibiotics, you know, um, Apoquil for itchy skin, you know, what other things has this dog been on? If we could just detox that body and support the immune system, I, I really think these lymphoma cases like that would just go away. But the conventional treatment is no, you nail them with chemo and then they're going to get sick and it'll go into remission temporarily. And then it will come back with a vengeance. Cause when cancer escapes chemo, you're, you're pretty much done at that point you, you, because the body's so debilitated, you, you aren't going to get them back, but you know, that's, that's the standard of care and people get so afraid. They get so afraid to not do these treatments because they're told by the oncologist, these statistics about, well, if you don't do chemo, your dog's going to be dead in three months, but 
the conventional oncologists don't do things like nutrition. Their statistics and their experience is based on typically over-vaccinated kibble-fed dogs. Matter of fact, they will tell you that nutrition um, doesn't doesn't matter. And as I was sharing with you, Didi, before the podcast, had a client that drove up from Kansas that was um, taken taking their dog to Kansas State for um, cancer treatments, and the the dog is not eating well. I think probably secondary to the chemo. But they literally told this gentleman that just to take his dog out to McDonald's, get him a couple of cheeseburgers, buy him some pizza, anything he'll eat just to keep weight on. Like, what? Like, I was, I was, I mean, I hear lots of stuff that doesn't really surprise me anymore. That left me dumbfounded from the veterinary teaching hospital, from the vet school. Yeah, just take your dog out to McDonald's. Like, what's up with that? What are these doctors thinking? Or I guess they're just not thinking. It's like they're just so stuck on there. There's one trajectory. You have a diagnosis. They can, once they can put a name to something, you have a diagnosis and then there's a, there's a treatment protocol. It, the medicine has just come down to algorithms these days. It's, it's not even really looking at the pet and treating the pet. Well, I'm wondering if this vet um, thought McDonald's was a good idea because they heard that there were real, um, you know, teeth in the McMuffins <laughs> and they were thinking that maybe, um, because of the DNA that they're now finding in McDonald's that maybe they were thinking that's raw food in there. Oh, maybe, maybe it had a little extra, you know, calcium <laughs> or something. Some it's so crazy. Yeah. It's it. sorry. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so, it's so crazy. Um, I want to ask you, why did they bring the dog in when, um, on this lymphoma case did, or what was the sign? Was it the swollen lymph nodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had noticed the enlarged lymph nodes. And, um, this particular individual was actually in medicine. He was a, a nurse. I think he said it was an anesthesia nurse. And, um, so he's pretty familiar, knew, you know, Oh, large lymph nodes, that could be, you know, not a good thing. And so took the dog in and they did aspirates and yeah, I mean, the aspirate came back lymphoma, but I, I just gotta say, you know, again, I take a step back and look at the pet. If, if we have full-blown lymphoma, they're sick. I mean, down and out, like, just look like they want to die kind of sick. I mean, it's, it, they're, they're really, really sick. And when I see a pet that's been diagnosed with lymphoma that otherwise acts perfectly normal, you'd never know they were sick. Then I'm thinking this is not a, a cancer that has taken over this pet's body that's really taking control. And we have a golden opportunity at that point to intervene and support the pet's health, support the immune system, detoxify, stop poisoning the pet with unnecessary medications, vaccines, et cetera. I think we have a great opportunity to intervene and, and, and calm this down and, and get the, get the immune system back on track. I, when I see cases like that, I don't focus on, oh, this is a cancer. I look at it like, oh, we've got some disruption in this pet's immune system and we need to, you know, work on supporting the pet. I, I think with lymphoma, what I'm seeing is there's just so many variants. Like it used to be like lymphoma was pretty much a death sentence. Yeah. I'd say 10 years ago, if I saw a lymphoma case in, I'd be like, mm, 
I don't know we're going to be able to do much because when it was truly lymphoma, it, it was bad. And it was usually by the time it was diagnosed, it was spreading throughout the body and uh, pets would not live more than a month or so. I think because of all the toxins in our environment these days um, and the, you know, toxic foods that a lot of pets eat and things like that, and the pets that are, are kibble fed, I think the immune system's just getting really disrupted. And I think there's a real fine line, even when the pathologist looks at these, and I'm not a pathologist, it's not my area of expertise, but I think there's a fine line between really reactive lymphocytes and truly neoplastic lymphocytes. So I, I just don't think that lymphoma cases are like, it's cut and dry. Like it's just, this is lymphoma this is the treatment protocol. I really think if we look at the pets and look at how they're doing, if they have a lot of vitality, especially when they're super young, like to me, those pets, we, we really should be able to get that, um, get that managed. And, and, and I have managed it, but people get, you know, they get afraid and they hear the statistics from the oncologist and, you know, I'm not a board certified oncologist. So people I know end up being conflicted. Well, I went to the oncologist and they told me X, Y, and Z. And now you're telling me this and I don't know what to do. And so I understand people, you know, people getting confused and, um, I, you know, I, I can just speak from my experience and I see, you know, more pets get worse and get sicker with a lot of these conventional treatments than supporting the, the body naturally. And my feeling is, you know, if I had a pet myself that was diagnosed with cancer, I'd, I'd rather support their quality of life and help them to live the best quality of life for as long as I could, even if it wasn't a very long time, rather than poisoning them with chemo and making the rest of their life sick and in and out of, you know, the, I mean, these poor pets, I mean, they're just constantly getting treated. I mean, just the, you know, the scheduling of getting some of these treatments done and people that run ragged and the pets feel that stress. And um, I think that, all just damages their health. Well, I'm sure that T, the shaman, talks about the chi, the vital force in a pet and in human that gets disrupted. And mm -hmm. when you vaccinate a dog or vaccinate a human, uh, you are going to interrupt the chi. Mm -hmm. You have to interrupt the chi. Why? Well, because of all the adjuvants of all of the antigens and the preservatives that are mm -hmm. in those vaccines. And the, the body, it, it recognizes natural disease and it responds in a natural way, right? Mm -hmm. But there is nothing natural, nothing natural about combination vaccines, adjuvants, antigens, preservatives going into the body. There's nothing natural about that. And I think that Again, that is that is a uh, disconnect. That is a disconnect in, in, in people. They just don't really understand that. And I was looking in this article and it says, look, you can have a 24, 48-hour reaction to a vaccine. You can. But there's also that accumulation effect that you and I have talked about. And maybe mm -hmm. the first year, the dog's just a little more lethargic. And then the next year, he's, you know, 
got something else going on. And the next year and the next year, this is an, an accumulation uh, type thing. And all of a sudden, now you're seeing three years, four years down the road, something's going on with, with your dog. I think sometimes when people come to you, when people come to me and they go to Neely and we, they start asking about, you know, I just had one where somebody said, you know, my dog's lethargic and they wanted to really know what can we add into the food so that the dog's not lethargic. So you go over all that and you start talking about vaccines, but the response really has, Hey, I don't want to talk about vaccines. I want to talk about food. Yeah. Because they're thinking it all comes down to the food. They don't, you know, they, they don't, they can't expand their mind to, to think about something like that because it's not the popular narrative. I mean, I think people, you know, just don't like to think or say things that are not popular. So, you know, people, you know, with sick pets, talk to people that are on Facebook groups, you know, so they're, they're listening to what other people are saying. And it's, you know, much more comfortable sometimes, or for some people to just go along with the popular narrative, like, oh, well, yeah, you know, that raw feeding, well, you can't give cancer patients raw food, or you shouldn't because they're, you know, immunocompromised, especially if they're getting chemo and, you know, that raw food is, you know, dangerous, like, well, it's the most important thing you can do for those poor pets is to feed them, you know, feed them raw food. But no, I just want to stay comfortable in my little box with my blinders on and do what everybody else is saying, even if it doesn't make any sense, or even if it's making my pet sicker, I'm just way more comfortable, you know, doing this because this is what my friends on Facebook said, you know, I said, get a little uncomfortable and, and advocate for your pet. Yeah. And it, look, it doesn't matter whether you want to um, get in the game and get educated and, and, and really learn. It doesn't matter whether you want to or not, because you will still face consequences for your decisions. Whether your decision is good or bad, there are consequences to all decisions that we make. So to think that just because you don't pay attention or don't want to get involved is not going to cause the consequences is, is, um, is not true. Right. There will be consequences. So hopefully they're the ones that you would prefer to have over other ones. Um, but I, I did want to say this about what, what vaccinosis is. And when we, when we really talk about it, and, and this is a great explanation here. And in this article, it says the trauma from a vaccine is a slow, insidious process where there's an erosion that constantly causes further and further damage slowly over time. That is what vaccinosis is. It's a long-term chronic process from the body being forced. Listen to this. From the body being forced to do something really unnatural with the immune system. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and, and let me just finish by saying this. She says in this article, look, it's not whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate, okay? She's saying it is the ability to make the right choice for your family and your health philosophy in order to mitigate the side effects and to uh, uh, avoid unnecessary vaccinations. Right, so. and I think what, what ends up happening is like the bar for pet health just keeps getting lower. So it's normal for your five-year-old dog to be lethargic and not want to go for walks and 
you know, not feel good and not, and not have that energy. I hear people say that, like they'll come in with maybe a, a dog that's seven, eight, nine years. Yeah. They're getting old. Like that's not old. Your dog should be a te- grow into its teens. You know, it should be halfway through its life expectancy, but that's again, that's becoming like the new quote unquote normal. Why? Because pets are toxic and they're overloaded in toxins from kibble and, and vaccines. And, you know, so there's this new paradigm that, you know, by the time pets are eight or nine years old, well, they should just be sick and dying anyway, because they're old. And that is, that is just not true. No. So somebody might say that about your mom. She's a hundred. Right. <laughs> you know, but you know, what's crazy, Dr. Jessica. So we say this about dogs. Oh gosh, well, they're getting to be nine and they should be dying. And then we look at somebody like your mom, who's a hundred and we're astonished that she's in good health. We're right. like, wow, she's a good, instead of that being the norm. Right. Right. You know what I, you know what I said when I turned 50 and so I'm going to be, I will turn 60 next year. Um, when I turned 50, I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going up anymore, <laughs> going back down. So actually I'm going to turn 40. So I just decided, no, I'm not going to. And, but my point in, in saying that and verbalizing it, like uh, we were at dinner for my 50th birthday and, but in verbalizing it, that creates your belief, right? And your body responds to your thoughts. And by saying that, I'm just not buying into this thing. Well, I'm over 50, like, screw it. I can't hike anymore. You know, what am I going to do? Like we climbed five 14ers this summer, you know, like, give me go backpacking. We, you know, like we are, we're more active than probably a lot of people, you know, 20 years younger than us because we take care of ourselves. I mean, you know, you, you do have to take care of yourselves and it's just like your pets. They're not going to make it to 15 if you're not taking care of them, but that's, a priority for my husband and I, we value our health more than anything else. And we will spend our resources, you know, taking care of ourselves, taking care of, of our health because we, we value that, but you know, we're, we're out, we're, we're extremely active. So I think your belief about your pets and, you know, we were talking about the shaman, your pets pick up on your beliefs about them and that may be a stretch for some people to understand that, but if your pet gets this cancer diagnosis and you're just so afraid, just so afraid that they're going to die, your pet doesn't know it's got cancer. It just wonders why you cry every time you look at it now. Like, why is mom or dad so upset? You know, I, what did I do that makes them so upset? Because every time they're around me, they're all upset now. And your pet picks up on that. So your belief about your pet's situation will affect your body and it will affect your, your pet's body on an, on an, um, energetic level. I think that's huge. I think that's super powerful and it just does not get addressed very often in you know, in medicine and in general, and certainly not in veterinary medicine. No. And here's some tips. If you want to stay present, because listen, staying present, I don't care if it's You need to stay present because you're in a position where you might lose your job or your pet's sick. Um, Certainly, this is a show about pet health. But uh, as you were talking, Dr. Jason, I mean, our human emotions are affecting our pets. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, for instance, a dog has diarrhea. What's the most common thing that veterinarians do? They give the dog metronidazole. And Mm -hmm. they were saying 
do you understand what happens with metronidazole? Metronidazole disrupts the gut biome. <laughs> so typically when your dog has diarrhea, we got some disruption of the gut biome going on. And then we're giving metronidazole to stop the diarrhea, which is furthering the gut biome disruption. It's also crazy, right? Instead of mm -hmm. like, let's just let the dog, you know, do a little pooping, whether it's three days. And most people, Dr. Tysik, don't wait three days. They don't. Mm -mm. They're like, he had, he, he, he had, he runny poops this morning and, and, and uh, last night and I'm rushing him to the vet. And I'm like, whoa, hang on there. Mm -hmm. Hang on. And people believe that things, this also, it's important to be very careful about cause and effect, because I think people believe that, that metronidazole is, helps the diarrhea because the diarrhea goes away. So I asked this question, did it go away because of the metronidazole or in spite of it? Because I'll tell you what I see is that dogs that get these bouts of diarrhea and then they get rushed in and put on metronidazole, which I agree with you hundred percent that it just disrupts the microbiome when there's way way more effective ways to be treating the diarrhea and drilling down to the root cause and, and all of that. But at some point the dogs quit responding to it. So let's see, is it because they're not responding to the metronidazole or is it because they weren't re ever responding to the metronidazole? They were just getting better anyway. And now you've completely trashed their gut with the metronidazole that it's that much harder to treat the diarrhea. And that's what I think is going on. They're not getting better because of the metronidazole. They're getting better in spite of the metronidazole because they had a pretty healthy gut before. And, you know, most diarrheas, as you said, will resolve in 48 to 72 hours, maybe do a, a bone broth fast or something like that. Give the gut a break and it will usually resolve, especially if the dog had normal stools up until this point. But then if every time your dog has a loose stool, you give them metronidazole, pretty soon that gut's trashed. And then the diarrhea has become really, really hard to, to clear up. So I think you have to be really careful about, you know, those, those associations because the body, guess what, knows how to heal. We don't have to cram things down the dog's throat every time a little symptom shows up just let the body work it out. And most of the time they'll heal and their immune systems are going to be stronger. If we let the body go through this natural process of working things out and, and healing on its own, the, the body and the immune system is going to be way stronger in the long run. Yeah. And then, you know, we're talking about metronidazole and it says it is that drug has been scientifically proven to cause dysbiosis. And what is that? Leaky gut syndrome. What do we talk about all the time? Leaky gut syndrome. You know, these, these pathogenic bacteria, they can only grow in, in a unbalanced gut microbiome. So in this article, it says throwing antibiotics and, and, um, and a metronidazole at the problem is literally, literally like throwing gas on the fire. Because those, those pathogenic bacteria are there anyway. They're there all the time. They're just in low population. So when the biome is balanced, the, the good bacteria, the beneficial bacteria are outgrowing the pathogenic ones. When something gets disrupted, so say, you know, dogs get into the garbage, dogs eat stuff, dogs are scavengers. You know, it, it's always going to happen. And then things get a little bit out of whack. 
you know, I think if we just take a step back, like I said, maybe do a, you know, 12 hour bone, bone broth fast or something like that, give the gut a break, let the body figure it out. It's going to figure it out. It's not that something from the outside made the dog sick. You know, this is what we hear about raw feeding. Well, there's something in that food that made my dog sick. The bacteria that, that, you know, the pathogenic bacteria that cause disease, they're there anyway. It's just a matter of keeping the, the right balance. And the body knows how to do that if we quit messing with it. And I think, I think antibiotics, I fully agree. I mean, they're way overused and they can be just devastating for the, you know, the healthy immune system and the, and the healthy gut. And then we get this bacterial resistance, like you were talking about. And then, you know, if there's a bacterial infection, a true bacterial infection, you have to go with stronger and stronger and stronger antibiotics. Some of these antibiotics are toxic. They, they're toxic to the organs. They cause kidney failure and, and liver problems. So when you start having to move into these more powerful antibiotics, because there is truly a bacterial infection, man, you're just making your pets sicker and sicker and sicker. All right. So listen, you want to be able to make good decisions and not be reactive. How do you do that in a stressful situation? Number one, and one of the biggest reasons that we do this podcast is to help you educate yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Education, understanding the pros and the cons um, is what's going to help you Make a good decision. You do not have to rush into a situation unless it's something like, you know, your dog broke its leg and then you've got to go get it fixed. But I'm just saying, you again, what we're saying is know the pros and cons. I go back to my story, which blows me away every time I think about it, being at the the, the dentist and them saying, we're going to give you a steroid mm. for what? For nothing. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not doing that. I don't need to. My body will be fine. And you know what? I never had any inflammation in that tooth, Dr. JC. It never even bothered me. I didn't take any kind of um, numbing agent or anything because I know I've been doing this for a while now. And I know for myself, I want to keep the crap out of my own body so my body can do what it's meant to do. Right? There you go. Right. All right. We don't have steroid. We're not, we don't, we're not running around with steroid deficiencies. Yeah, what? <laughs> I, I, you know, it was one of those days I did, wasn't going to pick my battle again with people with masks on with stuff in my mouth. So I just got the hell out of there. Um, all right. The, the other thing, and this is what Teague does, uh, is called connection with your animals. Okay. If you have a strong connection with them, um, you're, you're typically going to know that they're not feeling well. You want to be present enough to notice small changes in your animal before they become big changes. All right. That's what uh, the tips are here. Educate yourself, be present, know what's going on with your pet and do what? Keep a health journal. You are really good, Dr. Jessica, about telling your pet parents, keep a journal, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can say what happened. Going back to that question that you just asked this, this, uh, parent who had a dog with these uh, enlarged lymph nodes. Um, what happened? What was going on? Right. Keep a health journal, educate yourself, connect with your animals, be present, watch for these small things, make note of it. You don't have to 
react at the moment, keep a health journal so you can see what might be going on so that you can give that information to somebody like Dr. Jay-Z so they can help you help your pet. And then, you know, you, you will learn how to assess your animal's immediate needs. Okay. So for instance, Lazie, um, but we don't really know what happened, but her face, you know, one side of her face swelled up. So what is the first thing we do? The first thing I do is I, I, I contact my health team. Who's my health team? It's Neely and Dr. Jasek, right? But one thing that we did was we just did blood work, right? We did blood work so we can assess what's going on. And we did um, homeopathic uh, treatments. And then we wait. Mm-hmm. And we take a step back and we don't do something crazy. We don't do something crazy. Well, I think, and I think part, part of being, you know, in that situation too, is how, how is, you know, how is your pet acting? So, you know, if Lazi had that swollen face and was lying flat out on the ground and couldn't get up, well, that would be serious. You know, you'd be running her into the ER, right? You get her in, you get her stable, you know, you find out because clearly she's having a serious allergic reaction or something's going on. But when they got a swollen face and they're maybe a little off, but otherwise acting pretty good. You know, you can, you can ride that out for, for a little bit. You don't have to do the knee jerk, you know, rush them into the ER. So, so I think like exactly what you're saying, Didi, tune into your pet and, and see, see how they're doing, see how their body is handling the situation. If the body is handling it, then you, you could probably wait it out for a day or two and see what happens. Um, the other thing, and this is another thing that I bet Teague talks about, but it says, learn to meditate. Learn Mm -hmm. to meditate um, because why? Well, it reduces your anxiety and increases your ability to make good decisions. And it Mm -hmm. reduces what your cortisol levels in you and in your dog. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to just admit right here, I'm not a good meditator. Are you a good meditator? You know, I'm not a good meditator as far as like, you know, um, sitting still and <laughs> actually not doing anything. However, I find that, you know, for me, like my, my form of meditation, um, is getting out in nature. I think getting out in nature is huge and disconnecting from your devices, you know, leave your cell phone behind, go outside, get out in nature. And I hike and I run, or, you know, I take my dog out for walks and that is more my, contemplative time because I have no distractions. I think the whole thing about meditation is your, you eliminate the normal day-to-day distractions. And to me, that's hard to do, you know, and I'm in my house. I mean, I work here, like I'm surrounded by distractions all the time. So it's, it's hard for me to be in my house. I used to have an area in my house where, um, I actually had a little altar where I would sit and meditate. That's now in my office. So it's just, not, it's just not the same <laughs> where, I, where I'm trying to, you know, decompress or whatever when I'm in where I, I work. So for me, it's about getting outside and I, I just feel better when I'm moving my body. So I get out and I move. And so that's what I do. But I think the idea is to get away from your normal distractions. I think getting out in nature is, is wonderful. And I will sometimes, you know, in the nicer weather, go find a spot out in nature and just go sit and just, you can observe what's around you. Look at the birds or the rocks or, you know, just enjoy 
um, being out in nature. So I, I do think that taking that contemplative time to quiet your mind is super important because guess what, when you eliminate those distractions, all that busyness that's constantly coming into your mind and you have a question. So I will do this. Like I go out for a run and I'll be like, okay, I don't know what to do about this. I got this thing. And I sort of put it out there and then I run and I'm running and I'm like focused on, you know, the run. I'm really not, my mind isn't anywhere near as busy as it is normally. I'll get solutions frequently, almost, almost always I'll get something that'll come to me, you know, um, no matter what it is that I'm trying to sort of think through or, or process when you quiet all the other stuff, you'll get that information. And I think the very same thing can happen with your pet and you could just sit quietly and just, you know, pet, pet your pet, give it some, give it some nice rubs, just sit and relax or go for a walk with your pet and just say, Hey, I don't really know what to do about my pet's health and kind of put that out there and trust your intuition, see what comes to you. You get a, you do that and you get a brand new idea about something to do with your pet. I I'd be paying attention to it. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing about meditation and you're right. I think a lot of us look at meditation and go, that's, you know, sitting with my legs crossed and my uh, finger, my thumb touching and going home. But no, it's basically what you were saying getting out of the stories in your head, right? That, mm-hmm. that here comes that dark horse. It's coming in to get you and take you out to the dark abyss. Don't let that happen. Uh, you want to stay present in the moment. So do something like, you know, if you're hiking a 14 or for God's sakes, you're thinking about how do I just, you know, get my next breath here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like- you're very much in the moment. <laughs> I can guarantee you. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but the other thing, the reason that you want to, be present and learn to meditate or get out and do something that can get you out of your scary stories in your head is so that if your pet is feeling ill, that they don't have to feel your fear. They don't have to feel your fear. Don't put that on them. Okay. So it's a huge advantage to help them get well. If you don't put your fear on your pets. All right. So again, uh, let's go through these steps. They're going to be educate yourself, connect with your animal, keep a health journal, um, learn to stay present in the moment by learning to meditate. And it takes practice, right? Because our brains just want to run away with these scary stories. And then the biggest help for me is to find a vet and other health practitioners that support your decisions, you know, because as, as you and I have talked about it many times, Dr. JC, it can be a real lonely road. It can mm-hmm. be a real lonely road when you are living outside of the traditional uh, standard of care, <laughs> living mm-hmm. outside of the box. Okay. So you want to make sure that you find um, somebody like Dr. Jasic, uh, maybe it's Neely, somebody, a homeopath. Uh, somebody that is not going to immediately go down that traditional standard of care, learn, and this goes back to education, but learn about alternative animal care. Learn about homeopathic options. Work with somebody like Dr. Judy Jacek, who is at ahavet.com and get a second opinion. You know, get that, get that second opinion, meditate, educate yourself, listen to the raw dog food truth podcast. 
Uh, get your dog on a species appropriate diet. Nutrition is your foundation. We do not need to give pets McDonald's or pizzas or anything <laughs> else like that. Okay. We want to give them meat, bone, organs, and fat, a little bit of tripe, maybe a little bit of veggies but we certainly don't want McDonald's. So just uh, get on over to Raw Dog Food and Co. where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.